right, how is it going, everyone? Welcome to another episode of Forward Thinking Founders, where we're talking to innovative founders about their companies, about their visions for the future, and how the two collide. Today, I'm super excited to be talking to Hannah Marie Osmussen, who is the co-founder of Localize. Hannah, how's it going? Very good. Uh, happy to be joining in from Germany today. Yeah, welcome from Germany. I commend you for, for hopping on at this time of night. I appreciate it, and I hope the conversation is so good that it will be worth it. So thank you for coming on and, and talking for a bit about Localize. <laughs> happy to be here. All right. Well, let's dive right into it. So Localize, tell the listeners a little bit about what you're working on. Uh, our main goal is to simplify international relocation, which uh, often sounds a bit abstract in the beginning, but I think everybody who ever moved abroad um, or even within the U.S. Uh, knows the pain. So it's, uh, it comes um, from immigration to finding new housing, setting up a bank account, registration, etc. So there are so many tasks involved and the amount of people relocating is uh, growing more and more. So we want to make that easier. And our slogan is always uh, that the world needs somebody who's uh, building bridges instead of walls uh, nowadays. Yes, I like that a lot. Uh, something I want to dive into is is kind of the details on on how it works and what specific problem it, sol it solves. So. Uh, you know, getting around the world, you think it should be easy. It's not. Let's say you wanted to spend, you know, six months or a year in the States. If, if you're not from the States, what is that process like? And uh, um, right now, and then what is that process like with a, with a company like yours? Yeah. Uh, so right now it's, um, it, it depends a lot on um, how you relocate. Like if you relocate with a um, with a company that's hiring you um, and then if the company's um, providing support or not, uh, this can be through the internal HR people or through an agency. But um, what we see is that it's not, uh, there's no ideal solution, especially not a digital one. Uh, it's not streamlined. Uh, it's a very frustrating, time consuming and expensive for all sides. Um, so what we do is like, um, we first uh, put everything in the software. So for both sides, right now we target mostly um, B2B. So um, we sell the service to companies who uh, relocate employees. Um, so for, for the company, for HR, we basically give them a uh, case, case management system where they see um, all the processes and can outsource it very easily. Um, and then most of our service in the software is targeted towards the international and really providing the first digital relocation service. So um, we have um, own databases where uh, we get all the information you need around immigration, how to basically hack the system, um, what, uh, what mistakes not to do. Um, because like, I think the problem now, if you go on uh, embassy websites, uh, they basically design it in a way that nobody can understand it, but then there's always underlying rules. So you can actually make it a lot easier than it seems in the beginning. Um, and also in, in everything else. So it's basically, it's so often about giving people the right information. Um, one of our kind of like core hypothesis is that relocation services were designed for the, for executives being relocated to China to open a new factory, for example. But especially if you relocate younger people, yeah, you need to help them and give them all the information they need and guide them through it with the software, but they do not need this 
nanny service um, of somebody picking them up from the airport, for example. So um, this is the main difference, uh, how we make it easier and better. So, I mean, it sounds like like this magical product that that solves this this huge problem, um, it, which is relocation. I I guess something I'm trying to to understand is you know me being uh, living me living in the United States, a lot of these systems are even confusing to um, to me. Uh, you know, uh, someone that lives here. So I'm curious, can you walk me through like let's say someone wanted to move to um, U.S. You know, to go to Y Combinator or or to get an investment, you know, for for their company and, and be based here. Do you hook them on the insurance front? Do you like hook them up with other providers and then speak their language through the, through their platform? Are you an insurance provider yourself? I guess I'm trying to understand how specifically do you make it easy and put it on software when the when the system is so so complicated. <laughs> Yeah, so we um we support like we have basically two different things or two different categories. One is all the administrative stuff where it's really about it's like also how to get a um social security number, driver's license, etc. Where it's about providing the content and telling people how to how to do it. But then in other categories, it's basically uh, connecting them to the right other providers. So in banking, housing, insurance, um, telecommunication. And in all that, um, we curate a selection of the um, best partners. So for example, for us, it was also coming to San Francisco. Um, we asked a lot of uh, our friends, uh, what, what are the right um, platforms, for example, to find housing. Uh, if we come from Germany, for example, you've never heard of uh, Zeus, um, you know Airbnb, but then there's like so many things that you do not know. You don't know about all those like really useful apps of like get around, etc. So just telling people about that. Um, then of course also telling them about uh, districts um, within the city. So it's really it's so much about information. Um, and what we do. So initially we uh, we we curate a selection of partners, and um, then we directly integrate with them. So in Germany we're already at the stage where you can directly book insurance through us. So we are not the provider, but like we have a direct integration. So also you get rid of this. I have to fill out my information um, 10 million times where, because I have to basically set up my whole life again. So then really like we become the one-stop shop where you get everything. Um, and you basically just have to select what I, what you want. Like we give an overview of what's um, available and you choose. And then uh, we also do the booking and everything directly uh, through us. So it's kind of like, uh, it's even, um, it's a like, small marketplace, but you can, uh, like in that sense, um, there's even like a marketplace side uh, to the product. Yeah, absolutely. That makes sense. Something that I'm interested in is, you know, I know you did YC and, and, and hundreds and thousands of companies do YC. Um, is this something that you foresee, like anyone participating in any accelerator in, in, in the States or just anywhere use? Or I guess who is your right now? Who's your ideal Who's your ideal customer as this is applicable to so many different personas? I'm kind of curious who you're targeting first. So right now in, um, in Germany, but also in the US and Canada, uh, it's mainly tech companies um, we talk to and we work with because I think like they have the biggest war, like the biggest pain through war for talent. Um, but for example, in Germany, also now uh, the care sector, all of the medical um, sector. So I think like it's really um, every like every company that's targeted uh, or like that's suffering by war for talent. But tech, like they're just the natural 
first adopters because it's mainly young people. They have a high affinity for digital products. Um, so we had, especially in Germany, we had a lot of inbound leads from tech companies that were saying like, okay, that is the first touch point with a candidate. So um, often that might, might sound bad, but like often relocation agencies, you have people who like provide the support who are older, very traditional, and then it's hard, like a company usually does not want that as like the first touch point with the candidate. So um, that's why our solution is really attractive there. But of course, also in other companies uh, with the cost factor, like just streamlining processes, making it a lot easier. I think like that's a, that's what we see is like a very um, big um, favor for, for our service. That makes a lot of sense. I'd love to hear a little bit about the, the, the origin of the story and kind of how this came to be. Uh, and then kind of next, I'd love to hear about wh where you wanted to go. But, but, but first, like, how, how do you get this idea and kind of um, what's been the journey been so far? <laughs> I think our founding story, it's a, it's a bit funny because like none of us had very many like touch points with the startup scene before. So it really all came through the idea. I think I um, experienced the pain myself very extensively. So um, when I was 15, I moved to Argentina for a year. Then I did an internship in my bachelor thesis in the Dominican Republic. Then I did another internship in China. And then I lived in Italy and in France and in Copenhagen. So kind of like everywhere. And what I always found is that each country provides a different challenge. So it's not that you get better with that um, the more you do it, because like in China, the pain point is a totally different one than in the Dominican Republic. And what I always saw is that it's so different. Like the pain is, um, is really something that you could solve if you have like the right information at the, at the beginning. So I don't know, in the Dominican Republic, I was looking for shared apartments for a very long time. And then after I found one, but uh, I, that was uh, pure luck. And then after about three months, I found out like, oh, the reason why there's like so little shared flats is because basically everybody's living at home until they get married. So um, knowing that would have made my life a lot easier. In China, I forgot to register with the police, which usually you're supposed to do within 48 hours. Um, so all of that was a bit, uh, <laughs> a bit tricky. Yeah, I, I feel like there's plenty of stories like that around the world, which is why, uh, which is why this needs to exist, right? I'm curious, where do you see localize going? Uh, and if you have to say, you know, if you have to explain your vision for it, where are you rowing to? Yeah. Um, so for us, like we we mainly target now the um, employee segment, and I think like that's because like labor migration is like really the biggest part of um, of migration and like the relocation topic right now. Um, and what we want to do is that uh, we want to make that um, easier on a worldwide basis because, of course, I think it's a great market. There's a lot of uh, money in it. So, like, from that perspective, it's good. But at the same time, I personally also see a big societal um, effect on that because, basically, um, a lot of talents that now relocate are coming also from developing countries. So, it's a big chance for them to get employment um, in, an, um, in a developed country. And in general, also, even if you, if you think about um, internal relocation from country to country, I think people are benefiting so much from getting to know different cultures. So I think like this is something that can really make societies better. So I think that's especially like coming back to the slogan, like building bridges instead of walls. I think, I think especially nowadays, it's something that's uh, extremely valuable. 100%. I'm a big believer in 
that analogy, something I, I, I talk a lot about is, you know, some things won't be the future unless we build bridges today, like freelancing or remote work. Like it's not just going to happen. Like we got to be built, we got to be building bridges and that's what you're doing. You're building a bridge. So uh, something that I actually usually don't ask this, but it's something that, that has been on my mind recently as I work on my own company. How do you think about um, distribution and like getting the word out about um, about localize like to these startups to these tech companies? Uh, if, do you mind going into some of those strategies? Yeah. So for us, it um, it depends. Like we uh, right now in Germany, we get a lot of uh, inbound leads just because we uh, have yeah we, we get a lot of PR of I think of one because we have three, three female founders and two because it's like an emotional topic. Um, but also in general, like what we do, we do a lot of direct outreach. So it's really like you know who are the companies who hire many internationals, so we directly target them. Um, now, like we started, it's the first time that we actually also do paid marketing, but um, you have like different funds. I think like HR, there's a big difference of how you target HR in Germany than in the US, because in the US, you have like more HR software out there. So like HR people are accustomed to getting target, targeted in Germany. There's not that much software. So like all of this is just starting. So it's actually still easier to do direct outreach in Germany. Um, so we're still experimenting a lot with channels. And I think like all this inbound leads, we, we know that we won't get them that extensively in the US. But uh, yeah, generally we see that there's a lot of uh, interest, yeah. Those are the best kind of leads, right? Uh, inbound. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> for sure, for sure. Well, something I'd love to dive into is, you know, outside of outside of your company, outside of the, the immediate industry that you're targeting, what other industries or trends or movements are happening in the world, whether it's in Germany or the United States or anywhere else that interests you that you spend some time thinking about or wondering about? So for me, it's definitely um, like sustainability and renewable energies because uh, A, like I studied um, industrial engineering with focus on renewable energies. Um, so I spent, I, I actually work quite a bit in development aid, especially with like renewable energies in Latin America, et cetera. So all of this is something that I'm extremely curious about. Um, and I think like there's still a lot of potential. And then also now, like in my uh, extensive free time, uh, I organized a sustainability conference together with friends. And I think like just um, I, there was like a very interesting um, um, sighting that I just heard is that it's like better if you get um, a million people uh, who, who do like a little in that segment rather than like 10 people who kind of like go full in. So I think just like telling people where they can um, decrease their consumption by a bit, like giving them ideas of um, yeah, how to live a bit more sustainable. I think like that's, um, that's generally a good idea. Are you familiar with the company called Ren or, or Project Ren? I heard about. Oh yeah, also the, with the YC batch, like the, the yeah. Yeah, they they they're in a YC batch in the last like couple of years. I don't know exactly when, but I actually had them on the podcast, and they were telling me, uh, they were telling me just about what they did and how their goal is to help people offset their carbon footprint. And my mind was just blown. Um, and, and I think I'm actually kind of curious, do you think, do you see more companies in the sustainable world, uh, sorry, sustainable industry popping up within tech startups simply because there's a, a very big need uh, for those kind of companies or has it not really changed too much? Yeah, I think like it's still too little because I think like it's either, either like very kind of like hard tech uh, because especially like energy systems, like that's a big thing or 
and like you go very far into like the engineering tech so it's still tough like it's often complex systems i think like most of the tech companies still do software where like you can do some things but like the the biggest impact is like in i don't know like recycling technologies and uh, energy and i don't know like mobility so there i see that of course like a you still have a very strong lobby from uh, the industry and b it's just like it's uh it's, it's it's complex so i think like there should be more um just because there have been few very big companies and startups etc so i think like um there's still like there has to be more investment and more um yeah more kind of activity but i think it's definitely growing and i think especially like if you also change a bit on the regulation side and uh just uh yeah make i don't know um i, th I think like it's in the US, uh, there's like a lot of uh, uh, potential right now, especially with renewable energies, etc. Of course, like always depends a bit on uh, the direction the government's going uh, going to. So that's uh, that's the challenge. But um, in general, yeah, the, I, th I think I think there's more to come. Yeah, I, I think so too. Uh, I hope so at least. <laughs> it, it, it's really important that that's a thing. But I, I feel like as I talk to more people on, on the podcast, especially more, I would say younger. Um, you know, like maybe like millennial generation or Gen Z, um, you know, it's on our minds more because um, it's our it's our future, right? Uh, yes. So, what I'd love to know, you mentioned that you weren't super into startups or tech, and that now you are because of this idea that you're now working on and this company you're now working on. What have you learned on your journey since you get, have gotten started that you might have not learned otherwise or something that wasn't obvious? I'd, I'd love to hear that. So for me, it definitely was like how to build software. So I didn't have any, I was an engineer, so I had like a bit of uh, coding experience, but like, or like I knew how code worked, but like really this, how to develop, like how it actually looked like behind the scenes in the, in the software. So initially um, I thought kind of like building a software is this, one way where you know okay this is like the perfect uh kind of like this is the perfect way how to build it and that's the only way you can do it and then actually seeing like no it's like kind of like it's like kind of like a winding road which you can do like this way or this way and then add this feature and like that was super interesting um so i think like all this like it's it has such an influence everybody is interacting with it but very few people really know what's going on there so that was a big learning and i think also this um really like what is possible i would have never thought like i don't know even like three or four years ago that uh, i would have um yeah I, I would build a startup have a team now and uh, all of that so like kind of like doing that step and then actually seeing that it's possible was uh, i think the the the, the greatest uh, lesson learned i i want to dig into the last point you said which is about team building and about, about having a team what was it like uh, well, actually, before we start, uh, how big is your team right now? We are now um, 12. Uh, so, like, we just hired the 12th uh, person, actually. So Congratulations. <laughs> so, you have 12 people. That is that is insane. Um, in, in so, back to that's big. At least, at least it's all stage-wise, right? Like, to, you know, to Airbnb, 12 people is small. But to me, 12 people is giant, right? Yeah. So, how, how, what what is it like having a team of 12 people? And are you still... Are you still doing everything? Are you now kind of managing people doing things? Is it somewhere in the middle? Uh, I'd love to hear about that. I think it's somewhere in the middle. So it's quite funny. I was actually like, you notice that step by step and then you're like, 
oh, I'm not getting kind of like that point where you see, oh, I'm not getting my to-dos done anymore. Then you're like, okay, did I get slower? Like what happened? And then actually like they'll say, oh, well, now uh, it's, it's actually because I have to do a lot of communication and manage people all the time. So um, that's kind of like a, that's a, just a funny development. Um, of course, like me and my co-founders, like we split the tasks. So it's uh, everybody's like also managing their employees, but um, you spend more and more time just with uh, management and then thinking about what other people are working on. Um, so I think like, especially that transition is hard because then you have to block time for your operational stuff. So I don't know, especially if I do fundraising, that's something that, um, it's very operational that takes a lot of time and doing that while still managing people is extremely hard. Um, or when I do, yeah, of course, like I do a lot of events, et cetera. And then when I prepare all the presentations, so like all this where you have to sit down for one or two hours at least and concentrate, um, it's something that uh, I think it's, um, yeah, it's a challenge. Like you have to learn, like it's basically, it goes step by step. So in the beginning, you do a lot of uh, operation stuff. Um, you have like your tasks, then you get the first employees and then you give things up and then you, you get like more management tasks. So it's actually, it's quite a, quite a fun journey. I'm sure. And you're only at the beginning, you know, you're, you'll, you'll keep growing and that, that team of 12 will turn into, to maybe one day 1200. Who, who knows? Yeah. Well, I remember when I, when I first started my first, it wasn't even a startup. It was more of a project at the time. I just, you know, some people playing with code and my, my developer at the time was saying, Oh, like I, I, it'd be crazy if we had a team of like 50 people working on this and me being like the, like the super young, ambitious, like, 50 people, you got to think about like 50,000. <laughs> I just like good fathom. Like the fact that I, I feel like 12,000, I mean, 12 people, it seems like so much. Uh, it's just all perspective, right? Which is, which yeah. is what makes it so fun about building companies. Everyone's in a different stage, but everyone kind of understands what it was like to be in a previous stage. Definitely. <laughs> yeah. What, what do you think is the, like, what do you think is the, the most, I want to say fun and or interesting, um, what, however, however you want to answer the question, but like, what do you enjoy the most about what you're doing and what you work on um, every day? Yeah. So I think for me is like, maybe like it's two things because one is kind of like internal in the startup and one is external. I think it's in general, like the influence on people. So, um, of course, within the team, you see people grow, you see uh, how they learn new things, um, and then also how they interact within the team, that it's kind of like you form an a group, like an entity, when last week we were here um, eating together, like having dinner together, and it's just so nice to see that. Um, and then, of course, like uh, externally, um, the clients we work with, and especially the cases, like the people that relocate, and then you see how much it changed their life. But then also when we talk, I don't know, like now we get um, a lot of opportunities to talk at events and then you see how people interact. Like you, you have a chance to get that topic on people's minds and to talk about it and to make them aware because then when you say, hey, this is actually, it's not so easy for other people who relocate, then maybe the next time that they encounter somebody, um, they, they are more willing to help. So I think like in general, that's, uh, that's one of the, the biggest things I enjoy. I saw a tweet a couple of days ago, I believe from Keith Ravoy, I think. Um, and he was talking about the lean startup and how he thinks that too many people have adopted the lean startup and have forgotten 
the essence of just having conviction around a change you want to see in the world and telling stories and convincing people that that is how things should be and that is actually how to build a company and um, kind of what you what you just your answer right there kind of like almost backs that up and it's like it's about influence and it's about sharing ideas and convincing people um, of, of ideas which is uh, which is you know what kind of anything big that has happened in this world is all about an idea and a way that idea is shared yeah I think it's a bit and that I, I also find that interesting because um, I think it's a bit of both I think like um, on one hand it's especially like if you have a topic I think it also of course depends on the topic like people who do not have a very emotional topic for them it's hard to go that road and like build a brand and like talk about it but like for us um, that's great like we get a lot of uh, attention etc so it's like actually benefiting the business I think like some startups actually put that too high up on the agenda and forget about like the real work behind. I think like that's oh, nice. yeah. you should so, like you still you you should do it like if you get the chance, but then it's it's dangerous if people see you pitching everywhere and then they see that the company's not advancing. So I think like that's the big risk. If you just like if there's like a lot of talking and nothing behind. But then of course like on the other hand, if you um, if you have a product and you want to bring it into the market, it's also great because like more and more people um, talk about that and then um, you of course get I don't know if they if it's it's a brand that people like of course also uh, the companies are more inclined to to buying it to using it so I think it's like kind of like you have to find the good balance between both. Yeah, I I definitely feel that and I agree. Well, okay, a couple more questions for you. So, if you were given a million dollars, or let's say let's let's say ten million dollars. And you could invest that money outside of outside of your company. Invest it in any project, any company, any person, any anything in the world um, that isn't something that's self indulgent in the fact that it's yours. Um, where would you put that money, and and why would you put it there? It's just I honestly just thought of this question right now, but I think it's an interesting question. I might like keep asking it to everyone. <laughs> I definitely, I have been thinking about that because like my biggest issue is that I still, I like flying and I, uh, I like traveling. So that's always, uh, I don't know if you think, uh, if you want to live sustainably and then you fly, that's like the worst thing you can do. So I, I always said, okay, if I do a big exit or like if I get money, then I'll invest in uh, sustainable, uh, I don't know, like either, either, um, gasoline for um i don't know like how do you how you call that but like 